What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation podcast. I'm Emma Houghton, riding solo today because Pat is traveling and he is probably pretty happy that he is missing this episode because this is the straight after game St. Joe's recap episode hitting you this Thursday morning. Such a positive episode on Tuesday, obviously. So many good things to talk about after Villanova goes out and wins the Battle for Atlantis tournament, coming off of four huge wins against Power 5 teams. I felt like people had regressed back to the normal. Expectations were high. It felt like Villanova was really going to get on this streak here to end non-conference play going into Big East play at Creighton to start. We all know all of that stuff coming up against St. Joe's, coming off of the Big Five loss against Penn. This was their time to get back into it. Of course, the triple header of Big Five action on Saturday that everybody's been excited and talking about. And Villanova goes out and loses at home 78-65 to on Wednesday night. I am pretty speechless. Like I said, I'm recording this right after the game. I am scared to check social media platforms tonight and tomorrow and basically through the weekend because even if Villanova wins on Saturday against Drexel in the battle for fifth place, I'm not sure that's going to make anybody particularly happy knowing what Villanova's expectations are for this season and knowing the talent that's on their team. So there's obviously a million things to talk about. I think we can start with what should have been and could have been a really fun thing to talk about in this episode, which is that on Wednesday night, Villanova unveiled right way before the game. Jay Wright and his wife, Patty, awesome uh, little statue type thing outside of the stadium says right way between the Davis Center and the Finneran Pavilion. What a great way to honor Coach Wright. Big five play coming off of all these big wins. The script was kind of writing itself and little did anybody know, including Jay Wright, that they would be subjected to the type of defense that Villanova saw and played into on Wednesday night. So to start off, St. Joe's is a legitimately good team. There are so many bad things that Villanova did, but I am so impressed by how Billy Lang's team came out and played. They are one of the more experienced teams in all of college basketball. Pat and I mentioned on Tuesday's episode, they brought Kentucky to overtime at Rupp Arena. This team is no joke, and they played like it. They wanted it more. They looked experienced. They were incredibly cohesive. I think Eric Reynolds had the best individual performance that Villanova has faced this season. R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott were amazing in that UNC game, but Eric Reynolds is disgustingly good. He was unguardable for massive swaths of this entire game so yeah there's a lot to nitpick and there's a lot of negatives and I think it's valid to be concerned after this game about Villanova but St. Joe's is legit and I thought they had a very impressive performance and I also don't think there's anywhere else to start instead or besides the the turnovers that Villanova had as many turnovers in the first half as made field goals it feels like Pat and I have been building on some momentum of our own that Villanova has been able to either get off to hotter hotter starts than they did last year. Or if they did get off to a slow start, they were able to rebound and the offense came along and the offense was just not there in this game. Only 35 
first half points against a St. Joe's team that isn't known for its defense. It's known for their three point shooting ability, which is something they didn't do at the beginning of the game. They completely switched the script on Villanova. We thought they would be very three point shot reliant. They instead, I think it was their first eight points were scored in the paint. And then on defense, they showed that zone. And it was once again, proven to be Villanova's kryptonite. St. Joe's was able to force so many turnovers because the ball movement was, was so stagnant. Moore and Dixon really just couldn't get anything going more, especially there were a few possessions and especially going into the second half where it felt like Villanova got something going because they were able to find Dixon down low. Something that's also really important to mention is that Esenoko, one of the biggest size pieces on this St. Joe's team, didn't play on Wednesday night. So Villanova easily had the size advantage. They had the size advantage anyway. So you thought that would be a check in Villanova's box, something that they would be able to exploit and really take down St. Joe's small ball mindset, and they couldn't do that. And St. Joe's actually stuck it to them by driving as well as they did. So the turnovers were just... That was the hole that Villanova was never able to get back from. At the beginning of the second half, they had a lot of momentum. They got it to within seven. I thought that was when Villanova was going to take the lead. I really thought that they could turn it around and come back from that. But as Villanova's defense goes, this team's go. This team goes. And that's what we saw in the battle for Atlantis. Yes, it was three great offensive performances, but more notable was how good the defense was. And we saw on Wednesday night how bad this team can look when that when the defense plays as poorly as it did. On the flip side, like I mentioned, that that third quarter, the, the, the start of the second half, Villanova forced seven turnovers in that early stretch. The defense was leading to offense. They were doing to St. Joe's what St. Joe's did to them at the beginning by causing pressure. They had intense ball pressure along the perimeter, forcing St. Joe's into making mistakes. They were controlling the pace. And then when St. Joe's got back into how they were playing in the first half, that zone, at first it was tight and they just weren't letting Villanova get into the paint at all. They weren't getting Dixon any touches. And when he did get the ball, it was an immediate double team. What Villanova could have done, though, is made the extra pass more often because the zone sagged to the point where if Villanova had made the extra pass, they would have found the open shooter. There were plenty of times when Burton, Bamba, Longino on the perimeter, more on the perimeter were open. The ball just couldn't get to them because of the pressure that St. Joe's was putting on the guy holding the ball in the paint or in the corner. And they, to their credit, maintained that pressure for the entire game. It is now not a coincidence about how poorly Villanova plays against the zone. We saw it even early enough against Lemoyne. Villanova obviously won that game, but they struggled against the zone then. And now, their two losses on the season. Penn and St. Joe's both used that zone. I thought Donnie Marshall had a really good quote, actually. It was towards the end of the game. St. Joe's had put a couple of possessions together and that kind of locked it up. He said that St. Joe's, St. Joe's pursues the basketball constantly and consistently. And what struck me about that is I think the majority of the time, Villanova does that better than other teams. They want it more than the other team. They're going after the 50-50 balls more than the other team. They're hitting the floor more than the other team. And while I don't think we needed to question this team's effort, St. Joe's obviously wanted it more than them. Villanova has a target. 
always, especially in big five play, it, it just showed how much this meant to St. Joe's and how much they wanted their first win at Villanova in 20 years. And that's exactly what they did. And they just did such a good job picking apart every single thing that Villanova's good at there. It also wasn't a coincidence that when St. Joe's did cool off at the beginning of the second half, it was because they were making mistakes. They were turning the ball over. They were also fouling a lot on the defensive end, which did three things. It meant that Villanova could get to the line, which is one of their greatest strengths as a team because they shoot so well from the free throw line. When they were fouling, they were allowing Villanova to get deep into the paint, which is where Dixon really is unguardable. And he showed that in the battle for Atlantis. And it also meant that they weren't able to force turnovers cleanly. When they didn't commit a foul for the last 10 minutes of the game, they were doing the opposite of all those things. Villanova couldn't get to the line. They couldn't penetrate down low. And St. Jones was able to just cleanly force turnovers and turn it onto offense at the other side of the court. So you know, I, I think this is going to be a game that's going to cause a lot of reactions. I also think the two losses the to Penn and to St. Joe's, especially after wins at UNC or versus UNC, Texas Tech, you can go down the line. It's just hard to wrap your head around this team. The highs are so high. The lows are so low. I will maintain that I think St. Joe's is a very good team and they've now proven it twice this year. And probably the only thing going against them is because they lost that game to Texas A&M Commerce or something like that. That really strange loss. Texas A&M Commerce, 57-54 to 54 loss right before they took Kentucky to overtime, which is so weird. But they just, they perfected their game plan better than Villanova did. And that that's really what it come down to. They brought doubles. They knew that was Villanova's weakness. They played better three-point perimeter defense than Villanova. You really could just go down the list and it was tough to watch at times so I do think there were a few positives about this I thought we saw a lot from Jordan Longino in this game which I think is a really solid uh jumping point for him we already have talked it feels like ad nauseum about his development from last year to this year and how valuable that is to this year's team he's coming off the bench in that six-man role he only had eight points but he had he had seven rebounds four turnovers is concerning but I really liked and I felt like Villanova thrived when they did this, they had him at the free throw line against that zone. And they were able to find him a few times. And then he was able to hit the cutter Hart along the baseline or Burton along the three-point line or Hawson, who also made some big shots towards the beginning of the game. It just is concerning and confusing why Villanova doesn't go to the things that work after they've proven time and time again that that's how they can win. How did Villanova beat UNC? Because Dixon had 34 points. How did they beat Maryland? By out-defending them. Defense is the key to all of these wins. And I understand that sometimes you just get beat by a high-octane offense like St. Joe's. And sometimes you just have a poor offensive night. And I think you can say both of those things. Villanova shot 39% from the floor and 27% from three. That's just not going to cut it, period. But there are concerns in that Dixon needs to get the ball more down low. They need to find ways for him not to panic when he gets doubled. Instead, take a second, find the cutter, find the guy in the perimeter and try and make that shot. That ball movement, when it gets stagnant like that, it just becomes so easy for other teams to force turnovers. And that's exactly what St. Joe's did. Another rotation note 
I thought Hawson got good minutes. He finished three for 10, which obviously is not a good stat line. And all of those 10 field goal attempts were from three. He had that really nice fade shot on the run a little bit. He had good looks in the second half. He just wasn't able to hit hit, hit them. But this was the first time. And it's also something Pat and I talked about on Tuesday's episode. The rotation definitely thinned out a little bit. You had more with 38 points, which I believe is a season high. That was definitely a long time for him to be on the court, especially when the game was good and done at the end. They The starters shouldn't have been out there for as long as they were. But Mark Armstrong, 17 minutes. Longino actually finished with 25. Hawes in 17 minutes, which is more than he's been averaging and more than he was averaging in the battle for Atlantis. Hakeem Hart, 10. I think for a guy that has struggled to make his presence known on offense or defense, really, over the last few games. He may have found it along the baseline. There were at least two possessions where he found himself right onto the basket. Longino or Dixon along the, three, or the free throw line were able to find him down low. He has the body to play physical down low against those guys, especially against a small team like St. Joe's because Asinoko was out. Villanova needs to utilize that more. We know that he is not going to be the guy that can be count on to hit the three from the corner. It's nice when he does, but that can be his niche. He really didn't get a lot of run in this game and in a game that I thought his physicality could have been useful. And then the biggest rotation note is that Lance, Lance Ware only got eight points. He got a lot of run in the first half. Dixon only had one foul. So it wasn't even like Dixon was in foul trouble and Ware needed to eat up minutes. I think Neptune gave him time to see what he could do. And unfortunately, he had a pretty poor performance. He was caught in ISO multiple times. There were three straight three-pointers made by St. Joe's because Ware went under the screen as opposed to over it, right around the under-eight timeout in the first half. And if that wasn't happening and the made three wasn't happening, then a guard was switching on to Ware so that he could drive him to the basket. And that just happened too many times to count. It happened to Dixon as well. And I'm not excusing Dixon's defensive performance, but this really felt like a game that Ware was just overmatched. And that's disappointing to see because I've been singing from the rooftops about how good I think Villanova's front court could be. It seemed like they had taken strides in Atlantis. And now it's we're back to to square one where they, they can't keep up on the defensive end and there just isn't enough offensive emphasis to get them ball down low when they have the size advantage which is just baffling to me uh more in dixon the, the veteran leaders that we've been counting on offensively they actually finished with better numbers than i think either of them really showed more finished with 17 but he was three for 12 from three that's just not going to do it the three-pointer still hasn't made it all the way back this year and dixon finished with 14 uh, no rebounds as well, which was our three rebounds. I should say all of them offensive. That's where that zero is for the defensive rebound. There was a lot of tipping around under the basket instead of really boxing out, securing the rebound and preventing St. Joe's to run because they did try and push the tempo a little bit. They definitely cooled it down in the second half when they had the game more under control, but they liked to make Villanova uncomfortable in this game. And they did a good job of doing it. And that's why it got close. I believe seven was the closest Villanova made it in the second half. The Finn was starting to get back into it. It felt like this was a, day, a game that Villanova could easily turn around and use some of that offensive juice that they had built in Atlantis and 
and get this win and what would have been a big win. I think honestly that this would have been an incredibly telling way for this team to rebound and they just weren't able to do it. So now to take a bigger look at what this means as they go to Wells Fargo over the weekend to play against Drexel and that battle for the fifth place spot in the big five tournament, it will, they now finish last in their pod with a one and two record because of their two losses or oh and two record I should say because of their losses to Penn in St. Joe's they then go on the road to Kansas State face UCLA at Wells Fargo on Saturday December 9th and then at Creighton and at DePaul to start Big East play so this was a game that Villanova couldn't lose I don't think it will end up being the back-breaking loss that some of those non-conference losses were last year for Villanova because St. Joe's is a very good team that I think is going to get some national attention, especially after this. But it just brings up a lot of questions and concerns about who this team really is, if they're going to play down to their competition, and what the offense will turn to when nobody's going and when their defense just can't keep up. I think we all... It's very clear now that this team runs through its defense and it was just exploited by the zone. Why is the zone defense so difficult for Villanova to break? That's that's really the question that I'm going to be thinking about going into the next few weeks. It's Like Pat mentioned this at the beginning, it's not like teams are going to invent playing zone defense just because they know that it's Villanova's weakness, but it's just, if it's something that they've experimented with, you might as well try it because Villanova obviously struggles mightily with it. So a very unfortunate come down after a lot of really positive talk over the weekend. St. Joe's is a really good team. This was just not a loss that Villanova could afford in a, in a season that has really high expectations and going into conference play where momentum really needs to be built against a tough conference slate coming up. So that will be the quick recap tonight after Villanova's 13 point loss it also got a little bit hairy at the end when Villanova was calling timeouts and fouling down double digits with about 40 seconds left I guess that's Villanova's way uh you'll notice that I didn't talk too much about inbounding tonight because I think we can all agree that that's something that's just inexplicable and even with Jay right there it's not something that we've been able to get past over the last few years so We'll be tuning into Villanova's matchup against Drexel on Saturday in the battle for the fifth place game in the Big East. Obviously, that will need to be a win, and then they'll need to make a huge comeback at Kansas State next Tuesday night at 7. That game will be on ESPN. So try and stay as steady as you can. Sometimes these games just don't go your way. You just get beat by the better offense and the better defense, and St. Joe's was both of those things. Just unfortunate on Jay Wright's right way day as a double digit favorite that this game was just so inexplicably uneven. So that'll be it. Thank you so much for tuning in to this post game recap of Villanova's loss to St. Joe's Pat and I will be back at it together next Tuesday. We'll recap the big five game over the weekend and we will preview at Kansas state on Tuesday night. That'll be a big one. So get excited. I hope everybody has a great weekend and Nova nation. That's a wrap.